We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What a pass. Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie-to-rookie action. Outside the through Dort. He'll get the flyby. Three on the way, and he rattles it in. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough. Step back. Gets up the shot. Bakes it in. This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you live Sunday, June 5th. We're brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and SI Thunder. I'm your host for the evening, Jake, or I guess the afternoon, early show today. I'm Jacob Niffin. I've got J.D. Silva with me. Fellas, the rare Sunday afternoon pod. Got Nick Crane along. Trey 1K. I wish we could play that on the pod without getting copyright infringement. (laughs) And then we should have Taylor Peterson joining us shortly. I think he's on on baby duty. Cleaning up a poopy diaper. Probably. This, this is why I do not have children. <laughs> I got dogs. That's enough for me. Gentlemen, uh, game one of the finals is in the books. We're recording early today uh, before game two of the finals. Thoughts from game one. Uh, predictions for game two. I've got a thought that the games are way too far apart. Like, holy cow. I feel like it's been a, a century since game one. Um, I, I'm i still thinking the Warriors ultimately win the series. Um, I do have a thought on Draymond and Iguodala podcasting post-game. Like, that's a little strange to me. Like, the description of Iguodala's pod was Andre rushed home after the game to break down. I was like, what? Like he's like what? Um, and then Draymond with his comments of oh, we're not worried, like we dominated 43 minutes, like we'll dominate 43 minutes and keep losing, and you might be in trouble. So all that to say, I, th- I think the the narrative surrounding the series is just as interesting this time around than the actual series itself. And I'm excited to see if there's any more drama or you know what have you outside of the uh the stripe lines. Yeah, obviously, uh Boston shot the hell out of the ball in game one. Uh, a lot of the trends just favored them in that game. Like Draymond said on his podcast, he called out Derek White specifically and was like, well, we're not worried about him. 
so I don't think Boston's going to shoot like that again, but I was surprised with how they were able to limit Steph Curry after the first quarter. I think he made one three in total out of the first quarter. Like that trend. Um, it's going to be a long series, I think. Yeah, I'm hoping, based off of what we saw, we get six or seven games of this. Right. I, I hope this kind of drags out. I think that's a that's a lock. Mm-hmm. If it goes seven, when is when is game seven? It's got to be really close to the draft. August thirtieth. I know this rate. Like. We'll be in Vegas by the time game seven plays. I'm looking it up right now because it's got to be like game six would be Thursday, June sixteenth, which is a week before the draft. Uh, game seven would be Sunday, June nineteenth, which is like four days before the draft. It's a quick turnaround. Interesting. And then right after that. We have Utah Summer League, then Vegas Summer League, all of that going on while we have free agency, and then the dead period. Yeah. Not looking forward to the dead period. but Maybe, maybe it won't be dead. Yeah. What is dead may never die. It's a good old Game of Thrones reference. Gentlemen, speaking of the draft, like that's all Thunder content right now is draft-related. We're trying to keep things fresh for you guys. Um, I've had multiple people reach out and tell us that they loved our episode where we um, ranked the Thunder's draft assets moving forward and then where we put Sam Presti's draft picks in OKC in tiers, um, kind of keeping it draft adjacent but not specifically just talking about uh you know who are they going to get number two every episode we're going to talk about number two today but again i kind of want to keep it draft adjacent uh put things into context so i was and thinking on what we could talk about this episode uh, i had this idea i wanted to to look back so first i think the overwhelming assumption right now and, and i think you you two would agree but if you don't agree please please say something is that it's going to be chet at number two it's going to be jabari smith jr at one it's going to be chet at two like at this point i would almost kind of be surprised if that's not how it goes is that kind of where you guys are at totally i would agree although i do think if chet went number one i have absolutely no idea what happens at two. Oh yeah we're that in the dark fair. Yeah. We're in the dark. Yeah. That's uh, we're gonna be hitting a panic button on draft night when that <laughs> yeah. happens, not knowing what's gonna come next. Um, so let's assume that it's gonna be Chet at number two. Okay, I want to look back at the last ten number two picks. This is gonna take us back to the year 2012. I want to look at the past ten number two picks, and then I want to throw Chet in that pool. So we're at 11 number two picks. And I want us to start to put those guys kind of in an order and figure out where Chet would fall based on just kind of what we think he's going to be. Obviously, this is just, this is playing pin the tail on the donkey, except uh, we're blindfolded, spun around 10 times uh, and incredibly drunk, right? Like there's no way to know where we're going to stick this damn tail at, but we're going to try. So let's start just by listing off the past 10 number two picks, let's exclude Chet for right now, and let's debate and put those 10 in an order. All right? So in 2021, we had Jalen Green. I guess let's go through each of them and talk maybe like 60 seconds about that player and how we think 
they are as an NBA player, and then we'll do the order. So Jalen Green, Nick, uh, I know you were really big into the 2021 draft, uh, diving deep into it for Thunder purposes. Uh, Jalen Green, thoughts so far and kind of where you think he's going to end up? I think he's going to be awesome. I unfortunately have seen takes on Twitter.com recently saying his only comps are Kobe and Michael Jordan. That is a stretch. Um, but I think he's going to be an awesome player. Like, like he's shown the scoring, um, self-creation defense is I think better than some people give him credit for. Like, I think the narrative surrounding him league wide this year, if you didn't watch Munster Rockets games was he can score, but what else can he do? And I think he's actually a, a passable defender and he's got the the size and link to be, um, maybe not elite, but, but good on the defensive end long-term. So in terms of like a number two pick, although I think we'd all agree Mobley is probably better. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, Rockets fans are going to look back and be like, damn, why'd we take him at two? Like, I think he's going to be a really, really good number two pick. I look forward. Oh, go ahead. Silva. I was going to say, I look forward to the day. I know we, I know I poke fun at the Rockets a lot for being disorganized and generally just like not a, not the most healthy roster, but I do look forward to the day a talent like Jalen green gets, gets that roster molded around him better and is in a healthier situation. I think he's going to really excel. I mean, he, he, he kind of has to overcome his own situation right now. That's what he did in the back half of last season. Um, so hopefully with whoever they end up with that pick three, uh, it'll be better for him. There's a real world where him and Paolo are like an elite offensive duo someday. If you had to comp Jalen Green to somebody in the league right now, who would it be? Hmm. I would mean Brad Beal. Yeah, I was thinking like Zach Levine, Brad Beal. Zach Levine was where I was going to go, the athleticism part, Mm -hmm. you know. Okay, next one. Uh, In 2020, James Wiseman. Silva, give us your your TLDR of James Wiseman. Yeah, rocky start to his his career at this point, of course. Um, I liked him coming into the draft. I think he ended up on a Warriors roster that was obviously in a lot of turmoil that year. Uh, That was like their Plagues of Egypt season, uh, their gap year. Um, it's tough. Uh, James Wiseman, the, the big narrative with him coming in was like, well, he can only, he can only run a pick and roll. And the Warriors weren't really doing that. They don't need to do that. Having two of the best shooters ever on their team. Um, he's been out for season and a half now, I think tried to come back at the end of the end of this regular season. I still have hope for him long-term. I don't know. Um, if that hope lies with the Warriors, I think they might flip him at a certain point in like a consolidation trade with all the young talent they have. But uh, I'm not. I'm not totally out on James Wiseman. He has a chance still. He's still super young. Nick, hit me yeah. with a comp. It's hard to comp him because we really haven't seen him play much NBA basketball. Yeah, maybe. That's really really hard. Um, That's what she said. <laughs> there's just not a lot of guy in the modern NBA. There's not a lot of guys like him because people are straying away from this, you know, modern big. Um. I don't know because like coming out of college, he started this show like he could step out and shoot a three, which is a oh, there's a baby on the screen now. Um, Taylor's there, joining us now. What's up, Taylor? Got a uh, little Brooks here. Uh, his first ever podcast. He is ready to. Uh, he's been talking to his sources on the NBA draft, and he's ready to drop some bombs. I'm ready. <laughs> Bro, he's got a cord on his head. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't know if there is a comp for Wiseman at this point because you. you you haven't seen him play even at the college yeah. level. He played like five games. Like it's, it's kind of it's, terrifying. It's, it's a mystery. I'll, 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 I'll say this instead of comping him 
Thank God the Warriors didn't take LaMelo Ball because holy cow. That would have been interesting. That would have been interesting. All right, um, let's try to move a little bit quicker through these. Uh, Taylor, you're joining in completely blind, so F it, we're just going to go for it. Um, we're going to rank I the read top. the outline. Okay, look look at Taylor. <laughs> doing his I did my homework. Taylor, this is going to be a task for you. I love you to death. You have 30 seconds to give <laughs> us a rundown of John Morant. As a number two pick in 2019. 30 seconds, go. Obviously, super explosive athlete. Maybe the most explosive in the NBA. Super fast twitch. Um, But the thing that stands out about Jaw compared to like maybe a Jaden Ivey at number two this year, for example, is his elite playmaking and passing ability. And then he's also showing uh, the ability to be able to knock down outside shots. Um, So just a very elite prospect. Obviously, hindsight 2020 and Zion's had injury troubles. But I I think we could all say certainly that he would go number one in in a redraft of that draft. Very good. Uh, 2018, the number two pick was Marvin Bagley, the third. Uh, I'll take this one. Kang's going to Kang's, baby. Luka Doncic was the next pick. Trey Young went uh, three picks after this. Ultimate Kings pick. uh, They took a swing, um, but they were heavily intoxicated, blindfolded. half asleep uh, and just generally dumb because they're the Kings. Uh, what a whiff. I think Marvin Bagley can still maybe etch out a like an NBA career, but I would bet, and it's not a lot of money because I teach in Oklahoma, but I would bet next year's salary that Marvin Bagley III never makes an all-star game. I'll push back just for the purposes of this exercise because I think it's important to conceptualize um, before that draft, it was fairly consensus that he was the number two prospect. So I, I agree, sure. Kang's going to Kang's, but like we're all saying Chet's the consensus number two, he could end up the same way. And Very fair. It's easy in hindsight to say, oh, they took Marvin Bagley, but... it's a good point. He also, like, you, you mentioned him being able to carve out a role still in the NBA, Jacob. I agree with you, he's not going to make an, an all-star game, but like I kind of think of like a, ner- a Nerlens Noel... Um, not just because they both play center either, but two prospects highly regarded coming out or coming into the draft. Um, both fail in their first couple of seasons, but maybe uh, he can be kind of a journeyman like like Noel has been a backup big in the league. Yeah. Uh, Nick, you get the next one. 2017, the number two overall pick, Lonzo Ball. He is a obviously a great player. Um, was he worth the number two pick? I don't know. I mean, it could have been worse. Especially when Tatum went Marco- three. Well, Markel went one, right? Yeah. Um, so it could be worse, but like it's one of those, I think you look back at this draft and you're like, oh, wow, like Lonzo Ball's probably not the second best player in this class, but it wasn't it wasn't a whiff by any stretch of the imagination, but it's still a great player. Yeah. Um, is it wrong of me to say Lonzo Ball is the ultimate role player? That's what I was just thinking. I think so. I like that. Defense, great passing, has really developed a three-point shot. Just wish he was healthier. But besides that, he's awesome. Yeah. I think we view Lonzo so differently as well if he didn't have all that hype coming in, uh, coming into that draft. Just with his, him and his dad, their image and likeness, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think we consider him to be a really solid player and uh, maybe not, I, I don't want to call him a bust because obviously he's still great. But um, we wouldn't have like thought he was going to be the next superstar, you know? Uh, we sure. probably view him a little different. I, a player in this current draft that I kind of like as a comp, is Dyson Daniels kind of Lonzo Ball-esque? Yeah, 
I see it. If, if the shot totally. comes along, I can definitely see it. That same type of role. Alonzo didn't have the shot. It had to come along too. Yeah. Similar. Uh, Silva, you have 2016. The second overall pick was Brandon Ingram. Give us a, the TLDR version. I love Brandon Ingram, actually. I think he's managed to get better every single year somehow, which considering he was drafted in 2016, that's still a pretty big accomplishment. Um, things were rocky with him, uh, with the Lakers starting off, but I think he's in a good situation now. It seems like right when CJ came in, CJ kind of helped him activate and become a higher tier of player, and he was awesome in the playoffs. Or they, they made, did they make the playoffs? They did. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Suns. yeah. Uh, he was awesome that whole run. Feels like um, years ago. It does. It does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Love Brandon Ingram. Uh, I don't think you can really say they missed here. I mean, Jalen Brown went right after him. Um, it's a great I don't pick. Know. I, I might take Jalen over Brandon, uh, but I think that's kind of up to interpretation, right? I think Jalen also ended up in a much better situation. So, uh, Taylor, you get the next one. 2015 was D'Angelo Russell at number two. D'Lo. Another, uh, another one of those Laker players, right? D'Lo, Julius Randle, um, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. We've covered now three of those. Um, I think with D'Lo, he's interesting because he's not a very elite playmaker. He's more of a scorer, I think, at the point guard role. Not that he can't pass necessarily or set up teammates, but it's not his strong point. The big thing with D'Lo is you're going to get scoring. Um, and I just haven't been super impressed with him, especially on the Timberwolves. When they made that trade for him, uh, they acquired him to play next to Cat, and it was supposed to like you know put them up a tier. He's been good for them, don't get me wrong, but they're paying him a lot of money to kind of be the third fiddle. And I'm not, I, I, there's like some, <laughs> it's kind of funny. The Knicks, you know, the rumors always start, start at the very top. Um, they'll get, you know, Donovan Mitchell. Wait, no, now it's Jalen Brunson. Wait, now it's D'Lo. Um, yep. So I would put, kind of put D'Lo in that kind of tier of players behind those first two names right now. Um, I don't know if I have a lot else to say about D'Lo. What do you guys think? He's like not defensively just good he's enough fine. to get overpaid. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like he's good enough to get that next contract. Harris. Yeah, he had that one season in Brooklyn. That's true. He didn't have that really, great season. That in really Brooklyn. got a got that's him a good paid. Point. Uh, good and point. and. Pulling up the the draft classes and and doing the homework for this podcast, I just want to read you guys the 2015 NBA draft. Pick one, Carl Anthony Towns. Pick two, D'Lo. Three, Jalil Okafor. Four, Porzingis. Five, Hazonia. Six, Willie Cauley-Stein. Seven, Emmanuel Moutier. Eight, Stanley Johnson. Nine, Frank Kaminsky. And ten, Justice Winslow. That is a grossly bad really bad that's trade back that is awful that's really bad um nick you have 2014 real quick jabari parker two bad injuries are a thing because i think he would have been really good he's just not the same he's got no knees man but that that wasn't a bad pick like i yeah truly think his career was derailed by injury not because he wasn't made to be a good nba player yeah, Embiid went three, but you have to remember the context of that draft. Everyone questioned, will Embiid ever play due to his injuries? You know? So, uh, good one. Twenty. We got two more left. 2013, uh, Silva, I'll take this one, then you take the last one. 2013 uh, was like an impossible draft. Uh, this one was all over the board. Uh, when Anthony Bennett goes number one, you know it's a shot in the dark. Uh, Victor Oladipo went number two, though. I think... On draft night, this was by far um, the best pick that uh, that Orlando could have made. Uh, after that, Otto Porter Jr., Cody Zeller, Alex Len, Nerlens, Mclemore, KCP, Trey Burke, CJ McCollum. Like as much as Presty loved that draft, it wasn't great. 
Yeah. Uh, obviously, you had Giannis in here who went 15 right outside of the lottery. But besides that, I mean, Victor Oladipo was the correct pick there uh, by far. Uh, and then last one, Silva, you can take it. 2012, pick number two was Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yes, uh, good defender. Taking one spot after Anthony Davis, pretty tough. Um, if you show, what's his name? Uh, Naismith, James Naismith, the guy who created basketball. If you show him MKG shooting for him, he might regret his decision to invent basketball. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, a- after MKG, you had Brad Beal. Uh, you had Damian Lillard at six. Um, you, you had some better players down the board, but hey, um, that's rookie of the year, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Or I'm thinking of Carter Williams. Yeah, it's one of the Carter, two. Carter Williams. Is that that's not the same draft? Not the same draft. Not the same draft. But one of them got rookie of the year and then just fell off the yeah face God, of the Michael earth. Kidd Gilchrist just wasn't good. Uh, <laughs> okay, so let's now look at those ten again: Jalen Green, James Wiseman, John Morant, Marvin Bagley, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. D'Angelo Russell, Jabari Parker, Victor Oladipo, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. We got to create a, a, a top 10. Mm, how do you want to do it? You want to draft? Ooh, yeah, let's do, let's do a draft. Fun. That's fun. Yeah, good idea. Let's I like do that. It. I like Silva, that a lot. You came up with the idea, idea, so you get pick number one. And we're including Chet in this, correct? No, no. we're not including okay, Chet. Okay, not yet. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. Easy. John Morant. Yeah. <laughs> that is easy. Not even a question. Yep. Jaw, jaw. jaw is the first one there. Yep. This makes me really sad about the number two pick when we do this. Nick, who do you got? <laughs> um, it's an easy pick because some of these guys, it took a few years for us to realize they're not number two pick material. So just like recency bias, I'm going Jalen Green. Okay, I think that's fair. So John Morant one, Jalen Green two. Taylor, you got the next one? I was thinking a Green two as well. And while I'm not high on this, uh, oh, I can't do it. I'm going to go Brandon Ingram. I was thinking about another player that uh, I'm not quite as high on as Nick is, but I still like a lot. But I think I'm going Brandon Ingram there. I think that's the easy one, two, three, and then I really effed myself here with number four. <laughs> yep. Um, God, this is difficult. See, this is where I was going to go ahead and go um, James Wiseman. I can't do it. I can't do James. Uh, I'm torn between two guys here. Um, but I'm going to go Victor Oladipo. All-NBA uh, for one season. Injuries really derailed him. Uh, he had really found a groove in Indiana before the injury happened. I'm going I'm going Vic. Silva, you got guy. pick five. Ooh. Give me... Okay, so we have... Let's see, we have D'Lo, Jabari Parker, MKG. Give me James Wiseman there. <laughs> going back to the question of comps, and I think Jacob kind of sparked this when he mentioned... Can he play if he's never if he ever gets healthy? Is he always going to be hurt? Um, Wiseman went number two for a reason. I know people love to dog him on Twitter, and when I say he's going to be good, y'all dog me. Um, there, there's there's no reason to think he couldn't be like the next Joel Embiid. He went two for a reason. He's humongous. That's like, why I was thinking about him at three. That upside is still just so intriguing to me. Um, yeah. Silva, you just want Wiseman, right? Yep. Okay, Nick, you're up. Number six. I'm between Lonzo and D'Lo. I'm going to go Lonzo. I think that's probably the right pick. (laughs) And that's easy for me. I'm going to go with the one you didn't go with and uh, go Mm -hmm. (laughs) D'Lo. So who does that leave me with? I have MKG, Jabari Parker, Marvin Marvin Bagley. Bagley? God dang. (laughs) 
Ugh. Tough. What do you do here? I'm going Marvin Bagley the third. He's only one left in the league. I, th- I mean, not you're the biggest hater of him on planet Earth. <laughs> Dude, my other options are Jabari Parker and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. What do you want me to do? There's at least still okay. some upside, a little bit of upside there. MKG can play defense at least. That's true. Silva, who are you taking at nine? Oh, God. Considering what I said about MKG, I can't take him. So give me, Jab- <laughs> give me Jabari Parker. <laughs> So, Nick, you are taking MKG at 10th. So, our order, yeah. our, our draft order here, Jaw Morant, uh, or as I typed it in my notes here, Mortant, uh, Jalen Green at two, Brandon Ingram at three, Oladipo at four, Wiseman at five, Lonzo at six, D'Angelo Russell at seven, Marvin Bagley Jr. at eight, uh, or Marvin Bagley the third at eight, I'm sorry, Jabari Parker Jr. at nine, Michael Kidd Gilchrist at 10. Hey, Jacob, question. Yes. I think the next part of this exercise is slotting where we think Chet will fall. Is that right? Yes. Can we do a realistic floor and ceiling instead? Like, I, I think best case is the best of this group. Um, yeah. But can we also can we like also do like a floor? Like if we think Chet ends up. Yeah. Being... And, and we can do like, what's the most likely outcome? Yeah. And where does that slot him? At, Let's do right? that. Let's do that. I like that. Here, here's my thing with Chet, guys. I've been thinking a lot about this because it. Again, it feels inevitable that he's number two to OKC, right? Been thinking a lot about this. The bust potential, the floor, it scares the shit out of me. It really does. Like, he could just be bad. I like how we all we all talk about like this is a huge step in the right direction for the Thunder, and it could it could not be. It, it could it could be bad, but on the other side. It could be really good. Like sometimes I think, oh my say. gosh, he, he's going to be Chris Depp's Porzingis, and he's never just going to be much of an impact player. And then when I look at some of the stuff he can do, like, oh God, I, I don't want to forget who I'm going to look it up right now because I don't want to not give this guy the credit. While you're looking it up, I, I do think a lot of people get scared because of the KP thing. KP was a hell of a player pre knee injury. Like let's yeah. let's not forget that. With the Knicks, yeah. he was freaking awesome. All star, right? Yeah. Okay, I found it. It's uh, Chip Jones, Chip J NBA on Twitter, uh, posted this two minute highlight reel of the times that the passer in the pick and roll found Chet on the pick and roll. It should tell you something that it's only a two minute reel of the times that the Gonzaga guards found Chet on pick and rolls. Yes. Uh, yes. That, that's a bad thing. He shot 14 of 16 as the roll man whenever he got the pass. The catch radius is insane. Some of the ball handling stuff we've seen from him pre-Gonzaga. Sometimes I sit back and I think, the Thunder are about to draft Pau Gasol 2.0. Which is a Maybe. really fun comp. Maybe that is fun. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you ever uh, go pessimist mode and think maybe Chet wasn't found in the pick and roll because he couldn't? He's not a good pick and roll navigator and couldn't cut to the basket with with force because he's light and gets bumped and people bump him off and he can't get to his spot. Like you said, I think that's the pessimistic viewpoint. Where I think the other viewpoint would be he had to fit into a role at Gonzaga, yeah, and play, oh, next, sure. to, and play next to uh, Drew Timmy. Um, who really clogs the lane 
and NBA spacing is going to do wonders for Chet and his, a change in role is going to do wonders for Chet. You can look at it both ways, man. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's yeah. basically what NBA Twitter does, right? It's right. Polar, polarizing for Chet. And what GMs are currently doing, right? This is the, the process they're going through and talking with their scouts and trying to gain intel. But I think like to that point, we saw him throughout his college career. And there is, you know, I think there's a, it, it's worth going back and looking at his AAU tape. You can see a player who does have high basketball IQ and who is cutting uh, to the basket off ball, moving without the ball. And because of those things, I think he will be a fine roller, even if it's not a strong point, you know? I got a question as we think about the answer to this, this next part. Like Jaden Ivey and Paolo Bancaro and, and definitely Jabari Smith Jr. as well. I can envision them being like number one alpha dogs on their team, putting up 25, 30 a game and like being awesome, like offensively, right? Chet, what he brings to the table is that well-rounded like defense, little things to win. We haven't seen since high school, and it is likely because of his role at Gonzaga, the ability to be like the top dog number. Like there was games at Gonzaga, whether it's system or just him being passive, he shot like six times in big games. Can you guys envision Chet being a number one guy? Because I think that's what Oklahoma City needs at this point. Like you've got Shea, you've got Josh, you've got these guys. We, we've all said on pods, we don't know if those guys can be the number one player on a contender. Do you think Chet has that in him to be the number one guy on a contender? Is he more of a Ooh, that's tough. really, 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 really good second guy and you still got to go hunt that number one? I think that's this, the most is, likely scenario. Yeah. This but go is back where... and look at that USA basketball tape, right? And like he was that guy going head to head. Jaden Ivey was that guy in that game. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jaden Ivey was a, a man amongst Monster. boys in that game. Th- this is where the the Pau Gasol comp comes back for me. Pau was probably never the number not a number one. one. Those Lakers teams. Oh, okay, but Fair. he was the ultimate defender. Agreed. Ball mover could get you. I mean, he probably. I don't. I I would have to look up Pau's stats. Which um, is my point, though. Chet could be freaking awesome. Be Pau two but in, in three years, are we, still, guy, are we still going to be yeah. saying OKC needs that number one guy? Does this imply that we all don't think it's Shea? Yeah, I I don't. I, I think Shea's yeah. awesome. And what he's doing at you know, 23, 24 years old is awesome. He's on a max contract. He's faced the franchise right now. Um, you got to look back at history. The best players in the world that are franchise altering number one guys are typically already all-star level by now. And I know we think Shea plays at the All-Star level. He's on the Thunder. He's not going to get votes. But, like, Shea is not a superstar right now by any stretch. Yeah. No, I mean. Totally. Uh, in 2009, 2010, Pau Gasol averaged 18.3 points, 11 rebounds, three and a half assists, and nearly two blocks a game, uh, shooting 53% from the field. Uh, he took no three-pointers. Uh, I think Chet enters the league shooting three to four three-pointers a game. Uh, so I don't know if he's ever going to have that level of efficiency. But do you think at the height of Chet's powers in the league, he can ever get to that uh, 18, 11, three and yeah. a half and two? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But again, that can't be a number one guy. That's fair. Yeah. I think if that's who you get at number two, if you get uh, kind of a, a, a Pau Gasol guy at number two. You're um, very happy. You're you're incredibly yeah. happy. Agreed. Totally agreed. I, I just food for thought. It's something I thought about a lot recently. Is is 
got to have a number one guy. And if it's Chet, I don't know if it's him as good as he's going to be. And that's why I think it's a, you bring up a really good point, Nick, in that, you know, just because we drafted Chet at two in this draft, or just because the Thunder even have picked two in this draft, I think that's why we're going to see Presti not push all the chips to the middle of the table like we've talked so much about and why I think he's still very, very intrigued with a top pick in the 2023 yeah. draft, even if it's outside the top five, which is probably the most likely scenario. I think let's, there's some deep, deep Let's talent. be clear. You could you could have a, a core of Josh, Shea, Chet, and then push your chips in in a trade like Phoenix did for Chris Paul. Not that Chris mm-hmm. Paul's like number one guy over Devin Booker, but in 2025... Mm-hmm you push some chips in and you go trade for a number one guy that's a veteran and ready to, ready to play with that core, then you're golden. Like, I'm not saying yeah. don't draft Chet because he's not a number one guy, but I do think that's something that we'll be talking about on the podcast in, in two years from now. I think that's very fair. All right, so in our top 10 list of the last 10 number two picks, realistic outcome, range, whatever, where does Chet slot in? I think if he becomes better than what we think John Morant's going to be, um, then this was an absolute 1,000% success. The rebuild is over. You have your player of the future, right? Because I think John Morant is insane. Uh, I can't put Chet at number one on this list. I just can't. I think I'd slide him at number three behind Ingram and right above uh, James Wiseman. So we had John Morant, Jalen Green, Brandon Ingram, Victor Oladipo. You put oh, him sorry. behind Brandon Ingram. Oh, I'd put him third in that. Is this our this our high side case Ooh. or our, which case is this? I think I'm just looking at like the realistic. Outcome I forgot case. we went. I forgot about Depot. I, I, I think I think he's like two A two B with Jalen Green. Oh, okay. I think that's fair. I mm-hmm. the the problem is we. Jalen Green's so young, like we have such a small runway with what we know of him. Uh, projecting out what he can be, I think putting Chet next to Jalen or maybe the spot behind Jalen is the correct answer, a spot ahead of, of Ingram. Um, what's the, what's, I mean, obviously the ultimate low side is he's out of the league in three years and he's not on this list or he's at the bottom of the list, but realistically like where would you put the the floor at who's the guy we had under ingram and when ingram oladipo james wiseman lonzo ball d'angelo russell bagley jabari parker mkg i if we're going like ultimate low side i I think it is bagley like i don't see him like bagley's not great like i don't know if you can get worse than bagley especially given expectations um like if Bagley would have gone 35th overall, I'd be probably talking about him as a draft steal. Um, I think that Bagley is the floor for him. Just being like a damn, he never worked out. He can still be a contributor off the bench. And there he is, you know, but I don't think he's going to be worse than Bagley. I think that's fair, Nick. I really do. Um, so we are putting Chet's kind of range uh, between number two, Two slash three, right there with Jalen Green. All the way down. This will be out of the the last 11 number two picks. Uh, All the way down to number eight, seven? Yep. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, it's a good good range. I mean, if he ends up as the big man version of Lonzo Ball, 
right? This like ultimate yeah. role player uh, can play 35 minutes a night for you type of guy. Like, I think that's, it's not a complete bust by any means, but I think not, his, it's, it's not great. It's not what you want, but what you want to pick too. Yeah. But it's not like, Holy shit. We just drafted Michael Kit Gilchrist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So I, I don't know. I think that's all right. Okay, so let's move on from pick number two. I wanted to do this exercise for pick number 12 as well. Do we have enough time on the pod to do it for pick number 12? We can go quick. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, Same process. We're going to look through the past 10. Instead of number 12 picks, because once you start getting farther back in the draft, it's hard to project. So we're going to look at a range, 11, 12, 13. Instead of having you guys give me the uh, the breakdown of these players, I'm just going to read off the list, and then we're going to rank them. Okay? Cool. Uh, kind of as a grouping, right? Mm-hmm. So the grouping for 2021, uh, 11 was James Booknight, 12, Josh Primo, 13, Chris Duarte. That's interesting. That's not a group I'm incredibly excited about. No. Would you guys agree? No, I'm still a pretty big Primo fan, but yes, as we currently sit, I agree. Uh, 2020 was 11, Devin Vassell, 12, Tyrese Halliburton, 13, Kira Lewis Jr. That's a pretty damn good grouping. Mm -hmm. That is a pretty good grouping. Uh, 2019, 11, Cam Johnson, 12, PJ Washington, 13, Tyler Hero. Another great grouping. Yes, I agree. Um. 2018, 11 SGA, 12 Miles Bridges, 13 Jerome Robinson. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> I It's so funny. I was, um, you know, you go on YouTube and you watch a video and you like leave the room, whatever you come back and like the algorithm's got you doing something random. Um, I was watching highlights of somebody and came back and a 2018 draft was on and <laughs> I forgot Jerome Robinson existed, which is the ultimate horrible pick. If just four years later, five years later, if you get the guy existed. Yep. Totally agree. Um, I think I'm, I'm pulling up that draft class right now. What draft class was that? Was that 2018? Yes. Yep. If, if we slid it back and looked at 10, 11, 12, instead of 11, 12, 13, it would have been Michaela Bridges, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Miles Ooh. Bridges. Yeah. What a stretch of three picks. That's Holy incredible. Crap. Yep. Okay. Four so the next one. 2017, 11, Malik Monk, 12, Luke Kennard, 13, Donovan Mitchell. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I not as like, good as the others, but... Yeah. yeah, I feel like every one of these so far, there's been like an incredible player. 2021, yes. it's hard to see who that is right now. True. 20, 2020 was Halliburton by far. 2019, you'd probably say Tyler Hero is the, the super upside guy. 2018, it's Shea. 2017, it's Mitchell. 2016, 11, Sabonis, 12, Tarian Prince, 13, Georgios Papianis. I mean, D- Sabonis is your ultimate guy in that grouping. 2015, 11 was Miles Turner, 12, Trey Lyles, 13, Devin Booker. We got one of them there. 2014, 11 was Doug McDermott, 12, Dario Saric, 13, Zach Levine. We got another one. Yep. 2013, 11 was Michael Carter Williams. 12, Steven Adams. 13, Kelly Olenek. Even though MCW was the 
the rookie of the year. I think Steven Adams is the yep. the best pick out of those yep. three. And then 2012, uh, Myers Leonard, yikes. Jeremy <laughs> Lamb, Kendall Marshall. Not really a big upset guy in that one. No. Makes so, you think about trading up though, huh? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So let's, uh, of those 10 drafts, how do we rank those 10 drafts as far as looking at those groupings? We, so you, we guys want, you guys want to draft it again? I was going to say, like, should we just do like top 15 guys that are there? Should we do like groups as a whole? We rank in the draft class. The draft, that yeah, that, that range. I, I, I say let's do the, let's do the groupings, like yeah, each, cool. each cool. class. Is that cool? Yeah. Um, Nick, you get to start us off this time. Give me the SGA draft 2018. So that was SGA, uh, Miles Bridges, Jerome Robinson. Yeah, you got two potential max guys out of the three. Taylor, who are you going with? Ooh, this is this is tough. It is. Oh man. Um I think I'm going to go ahead and do 2019. Cam Johnson, PJ Washington, Tyler. That was, that was my, that was my uh, almost other option. Oh, that's, that's, a great, that's a great three. Uh, I got Ugh. the next one. Oh, I think I'm going to go. Ah, oh, this is difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go 2015. There you go. That was going to be my, I'm taking Miles Turner, thinking. Trey Lyles, Devin Booker. Um, I think Devin Booker is the highest upside of everybody. All the names, all, uh, what is this? 30 names here. I think Devin Booker is probably the, the best of all those guys currently. So that's what I'm going to go with. Silva, which year do you got? Torn between two. Torn between two. I think I'm going to end up going for overall quality of the three. And I'm going to go with the 2020 draft. Devin Vassell, Tyrese Halliburton. Kira Lewis Jr. Oh, nice. I like that. Uh, uh, nice. Nick, you got the next one? I'm going to go 2017 just because you get Donnie Mitchell. Yeah, that was the other one. Uh, Malik Monk, not great, but a role player. Luke Kennard, mm-hmm. um, I would say, especially with LA, pretty high-tier role player. And then you got Donnie, obviously. Pretty good. Taylor? I think for a similar reason, I have two I'm thinking about, but I'm going to go with 2014 because of the Zach Levine upside. So Doug McDermott, Sarich, and Zach Levine. Hey, Doug McDermott and Dario Sarich have carved out nice NBA careers as Sarich well players. Sarich healthy again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Zach Levine is your ultimate upside guy there. Yep. Um, so, so far, I'm trying to keep track of which ones we have. Um, 2014, 15, 17, 18, 19, and 20 have all been selected. Um, God, this is difficult now. I will take, I think I'm going to go with 2016. What you got to do, which is that DeMontis Sabonis, Tarian Prince, and Papianis, um, grouping right there. Uh, that puts Silva next up. Trying to look at which ones are still available. Yeah, I'm blacking them out on our dock right yeah, now. You're doing the Lord's work right now. The Lord's work. I think it's I essentially think the most 20... recent or the the 2012 oldest and 13. Two. Yep. So we got ooh ooh ooh. 
<laughs> Maybe a slightly homer pick, but give me the Steven Adams draft 2013. I think that's the right pick. Yep. All right. Does that mean we have only one left? Two. Two. Oh, I'm a dummy. Oh, oh, we have the most recent one. Yeah. 2021. Yeah. And then 2012. Yep. Yep. Nick, what are you going with? Definitely 2021. Um, <laughs> just because there's actually upside. We already know 2012 is not great. Um, I also, I'm going to go out there and say this. Uh, Book Knight, I think, gets more of a bad rap than he deserves. Like, he was awesome in the G League and just didn't get an opportunity with Charlotte. Like, I think if he was in Oklahoma City, he would have been exactly what Trey Mann was. And I think Primo's um, due for a breakout. Primo, well. yeah, Primo's going to be Primo's good. just so young. Chris Duarte, he gets pegged as the old guy and he's already hit his ceiling. But if that's his ceiling, he was pretty damn good as a rookie. Yeah. I mean, as a rookie, he was good. As a career player, if that's his ceiling, he's rotational. As, a, as the number 13 pick, guy. I think if you Pretty can good. average 14 a game like he did this year, whatever it was, that's a that's a good 13 pick. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So, in looking at Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz of ESPN, their most recent mock draft, which was updated last week, their 11-12-13 is A.J. Griffin, Usman Jang, Mark Williams. Oh, Where does tough. that trio rank on our big board here? And I know you guys probably lost track of our uh, our order, so um, I am putting it in the in the private chat on the thing for you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying my gut tells me if we were doing this exercise in five years. Usman Jang is like the, the guy, guy that we're like, oh, no, I think he's the guy that, no, nah, I don't actually think this, but like history tells us um, with these projects, like he's a guy that we're going to look back and be like, oh, yeah, he went, he went at 13 and never turned out to be anything. Like there, there's probably a better chance that he ends up there, that he ends up mm-hmm. being like odds tell us he ends up being a nobody versus we all think about the upside and he turns into this great pick. I agree. I think Mark Williams ends up being similar to like a, Miles Leonard or Miles Turner, where it's like he's a he was a productive center, but I he hope was he end up like Myers Leonard. He was a, <laughs> on the court, a productive center, but not a not a star. And then I, maybe AJ Griffin ends up being like the great shooter that was worth it in that range. So so Nick, hold on a second. We got thirty names here, right? You just said Usman uh, Mark Williams, sorry, uh, is like the Miles Turner or Myers Leonard. You said Usman Jang is the guy that we're going to say, oh, he got drafted there. Who is he of these 30? Is he well, the Jerome Robinson? To be to be clear, I I, I think and hope Jang is awesome. This is no, not I know, like, but, yeah, but yeah. if he's the guy that we're just yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah. He's it, like it, the he's like the Papagianis or the uh Kendall Marshall. Okay. Like, like I I think there's a better chance he ends up being that type of guy than it ended up being like the Devin Booker. It was like, how the hell did he slip that far? Okay, then Taylor, if if we're still kind of doing this exercise here, AJ Griffin, who does he end up most like on this list of 30 names we have? Zach Levine is a name I keep coming back to. Uh, a player, microwave scorer who can shoot from outside. All completely 110% hinges on if those knees are healthy, if he can be a little more than what he showed at Duke. Yeah, the um, athleticism like of Zach is what's going to put me off there. Yeah. Yep. 
in so terms of, who, I think I think he means in terms of production, not and, like a player comp. Yeah, oh, okay. gotcha. And maybe like Cam Johnson would be like more likely best case scenario. Silva, what, what, who would you put AJ Griffin as in this grouping? Yeah, I've been trying to look, and I think it's interesting that a lot of the guys that slipped in this range and ended up way exceeding their their projections were all guards or, or larger wings. So it's like Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Zach Levine. Those are all similar guys. SGA, Halliburton, and then Miles Bridges and it's bigger. But Tyler Heroes in that same range. Don't let Johnny Davis slip. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> no, I think AJ Griffin would be... I hope he ends up being like Tyrese Halliburton. Like he ends up coming in and immediately like having a solid NBA skill. Halliburton came in and was immediately a a good playmaker, a good floor general. I hope AJ Griffin can walk in healthy, play solid defense at least and shoot the hell out of the ball. So I I think around the Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Bridges area. I was going to go Tyler hero. Yeah, that's fun. Yep. Got the, got the strap. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe he starts. Maybe he comes off the bench. Uh, I think he could end up being a better defender than Hero, um, if the athleticism comes back, if if the medicals come back. Because, I mean, you look at pictures of AJ Griffin. That dude looks like Jimmy Butler looks right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about the ideal NBA body? You said the same thing about Obi Toppin a couple years ago, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Obi Toppin was like thirty when he got drafted. <laughs> Like 30. Nick's legend. AJ Griffin looks like a football player. Yeah, and AJ yeah, Griffin's also the second youngest guy in the draft. Yep, that's a good right point. Right behind well. Jalen Duran. Him, Duran, Jabari Smith Jr., all in like, like 18, yeah. about to turn 19 or just turn 19 range. So, where do we think this, the, the, tw- the currently projected 11, 12, 13 for 2022 lands in, in this hierarchy? Right in the middle. middle. Yeah. Yeah. Right in the middle. That's like the most cop out answer, is it not? But but I think, but I actually genuinely believe that. Like, I don't, yeah, I am not confident that one of those three guys ends up being as good as Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Zach Levine. That, that cuts out three, SGA cuts out four. So, like, you're you're automatically in that fifth. And unless they they all end up being very good level players, could they, could this be the 2019 class of Cam Johnson, PJ Washington, Tyler Hero? Sure. Yeah, if yeah. everything pans out, none, all none three are superstars, but all really good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. Now, the other thing too, we're obviously doing this pre-draft. I mean, I, I, I would almost guarantee not just like one name either. Like we're gonna come back post-draft, do the same exercise, and we're looking at three completely different picks at 11, 12, 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way oh, this 100, draft is. One hundred percent. So, so Jacob, yeah. back to your point. If we think that this could be like similar to twenty nineteen, and they're all like good role players, but there's not a star, where did we rank that class? Right in the middle, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. That is fair. Of those like three, of those fun. three, which AJ Griffin, Usman Jang, Mark Williams, which one do you think? I mean, w- when we look at that 2019 class, I, I, I just kind of like comping it to that one. Cam um, Johnson is AJ Griffin. Yeah. yeah. Like, eight, remember, remember, Cam Johnson came out and he was he shot like 45 percent from three at North uh-huh. Carolina that that mm-hmm. last year. And they're like, yeah, he's a shooter, but like, what else can he do? And come to find out, he didn't do a ton more, but that's still super valuable. Yeah, the difference is Cam Johnson, a little bit taller. Um, God, I think AJ Griffin weighs more than him. Definitely. Cam, Cam Johnson, 6'8, 210. 
think AJ Griffin's like 6'6", 225. Yeah, I mean, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a tank. Uh, the thing is, Cam Johnson, uh, how, he, he is currently 26, drafted three years ago. He got drafted at he 23. Was he was old. Um, AJ Griffin's going to get drafted when he's still 18 years old. Yeah, it's that is pretty crazy. So of those three, Usman Jang, AJ Griffin, Mark Williams, like if those three are on the board at 12, who do you want the Thunder to take? AJ Griffin. AJ Griffin. AJ Griffin. I agree. As, mu- <laughs> I mean, as much as the, the fun I mean, upside of, of Jang is, it's just like, there's always these guys that have all this hype and then you don't hear about them ever again. Yeah. Yep. It's I the ultimate Griffin. home run swing. That's the thing with home run swings. You know, sometimes you hit the ball and it goes far as hell. And sometimes you swing the piss out of that bat and you don't you miss the air. You know, that, but the thing about AJ Griffin compared to Jang, we do know some at least of what Griffin's going to provide. And I still think he possesses that untapped upside as well. Uh, again, hinging on the health. So you're kind of taking a swing with him also, but you kind of have a higher base, a higher floor um, with Griffin compared to Jang. I think that's fair. Uh, Silva, let's tell the people about the ads for the week before we uh, move on to, I'm not going to say the second half because we've been going for 52 minutes, uh, <laughs> but the, the rest of the podcast. What's up, Thunder fans? This is Jacob from the Uncontested Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that we have fully redesigned our merch store to get you the best Thunder swag available. Just visit cottonbureau.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find all of our new designs. That's C-O-T-T-O-N-B-U-R-E-A-U.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find new drops like Josh Giddy's Wizard of Oz or an ode to the Trey Man Step Back. We've also got all the classics like Dortal Combat, Lu Tang Clan, and everyone's favorite MVP, Shea Gilgis Alexander. The best part? You can get any design in the style of apparel you want. So if you're gearing up for the summer and want a tank top, needing a hoodie for the winter in Australia, or you're wanting a Pokemon onesie for your baby, we've got you covered. Make sure to go to cottonbureau.com and search the uncontested podcast to get your new thunder gear today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, gentlemen, so we just finished up kind of ranking uh, the past 10 and then adding on the 2022 draft uh, of that middling, like late lottery tier. I've got to ask though, Nick kind of brought this up. So let's circle back to it real quick. Let's throw a fourth name in that list. Let's make it Johnny Davis. Who, if all four of those, Usman Jang, Mark Williams, AJ Griffin, Johnny Davis are all there. Which one do you want OKC to take? Johnny boy. (laughs) That is tough because I kind of have Johnny and AJ Griffin in the same tier of players uh, in this draft, but I think you've got to go Johnny with what Johnny he showed in Wisconsin. He's got defensive upside. So if anyone's going to make me feel good about like everyone always says Trey man, maybe makes Lou Dort expendable. Trey man's not an elite defender. Johnny Davis probably isn't Lou Dort as a defender, but he's much better than Trey man. Is Johnny Davis like 85% of Lou 90% of Lou? I think he's a hundred and, 50% of Lou offensively. Well, yeah, I'm talking defense. Yeah, defensively, probably probably 80%. And, and the knock, really the knock on his defense is that he's only 6'5", which means he can only probably guard one, two, maybe three positions. Like, I think he's going to struggle with the Jason Tatums of the world. Like, who doesn't struggle with him? <laughs> no shit, but, right? <laughs> but, but, like, those bigger jumbo wings in the NBA, he might struggle guarding. But Lou is 6'2", so does he. Yeah. That's Man, a good point. That's- not to get us off topic of that, but that's what drives me nuts is people like, you can't take Chet at two. He's going to get bullied by Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. And I'm like, what? You mean number one and two in MVP voting? He's going to get bullied by those guys? No shit. The entire league gets vo- bullied by those guys. <laughs> On a nightly basis. Yeah, that's right. You know, like. They bully each other when they play each other. <laughs> what What are we doing here, man? Johnny Davis is, a, I think he's well, much more well-rounded than AJ. Uh, I think AJ is, if if we were pinning down like, you know, Johnny Davis is an eight of 10 out of, on defense and a, a seven of 10 on pick and roll. I think AJ has the highest tier as far as a skill in the three-point shooting. I think AJ's three-point shooting, he is better at three-point shooting than Johnny is at any individual aspect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think in totality of a player, Johnny is higher up. It's a, uh, it's kind of I'm, interesting. I'm not saying AJ dislikes basketball or doesn't try at basketball when he's on the court, but Johnny Davis's heart and effort and just like I'm going to give you 135 percent every time I'm on the court is like you got that dog in him. It's it is 
it's insane. Like you go watch, I told you guys in the Slack, I watched that Purdue Wisconsin game a couple times now post watching it live. And like you watch him off ball. And even like when Jaden Ivey scores and someone else is guarding him, like he is, he is sprinting across the court, trying to block the shot or like make it tough. And like, it, it's, you watch a lot of AJ Griffin. And again, this is not a knock on him saying he doesn't care about defense, but like he just, he gets isn't lost. That. He isn't he that. gets lost on defense. Yep. That's, that's why I love the idea of uh, potentially taking Chet and Johnny Davis like that. Those, the mentality of those two coming into this team would be, Oh, I'd love That's it, dude. Great. Yeah, I dude. would love it. This Fiery. is a team of dogs. Dog yes. pound, baby. Giddy has that too. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, guys, in in doing the the prep for this episode, uh, Silva and I were going through all of the past 10 draft classes, uh, pulling these names, making these lists, etc. And I, I'm not going to call it an epiphany. It's not that good. Um Realization. Let's go realization. I think that's a better word here. And I forget which draft class it was now, but in the draft class that had Brad Beal, was that 2013? Do you guys remember? I'm looking that at sounds it. Sounds right. right. E- mm. Nope. Victor Oladipo was 2013. Was Brad? Brad, yeah. Brad was 2012. 12. Yeah. We have. Not speculation. Like we know Sam Presti tried to trade up for Bradley Beal that year. Uh Bradley Beal has said as much. He went on a podcast. I can't remember which podcast. Was it all the it's smoke? Like or all the smoke. Yeah. One I of those think two. it was all the smoke. He said that his agent was telling him that Oklahoma City was trying to trade up to get him. And then it's like a very poorly kept secret that in the following year, Sam Presti tried to trade up again to number two to get another athletic versatile guard in Victor Oladipo. I think that's super fascinating. I think, I think there's a a piece of it. That's like, we've got to replace Harden or this is a, we're trying to win now. And this type of player helps us, but more holistically, I think that he's at number two this year type of player that he likes. And doesn't Jaden Ivey fit in that bag? Oh, for sure. To do it like to a T. I mean, um, Jake Ivey feels like a Victor Oladipo, does he not? Yeah. In the style of play. Yeah. So, no, I mean, so. pe- people like to comp Jaden Ivey to John Morant just because of the athleticism. They like to comp him to Russell Westbrook for the same reason. I think Indiana, uh, Victor Oladipo is maybe like a really close one. So, Nick, you just mentioned, I think that's really fascinating. Like, that's right after Harden. Right? Are they trying to get the Harden replacement? Is that what was the best fit for the team? Or is it something deeper? And now thinking about that, does that change your guys' opinions on the whole smoke of Oklahoma City wants Jaden Ivey? They might take him at two. They might trade him back to take him at four. Like, Does that, add, does that context add anything for you? Or is it still Cheddar Jabari at two and it doesn't really matter? I think it does. Uh, it certainly does. Like Nick said, like obviously that's a, a prototype of player that Presti definitely values. It's just so hard because of the iteration of the, of the Thunder. You know, that that teams, uh, during those drafts, the team of the Thunder had Russ and KD being those core pieces. Like, yeah, Depot would fit perfect. Bradley Beal would have been amazing with that group. It's hard to know if Presti, if that was more of like, because of the team that they currently had that he was targeting those kind of players, or if he just values that overall player prototype. So yeah. Oh, that's tough. I mean, Taylor, Taylor, we've talked a lot on this show about 
how it feels a lot like in that Russ KD era, they targeted raw athletes who could play defense and really couldn't shoot. Because, um, but we yeah, didn't really didn't think, need the ball in their hands. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what that team needed. Whereas we've all kind of thought maybe Presti's type is the high IQ, versatile, uh, playmaking type of player, even back to Sam Presti San Antonio days. So it's like, I know it's this and weird right, balance Chet for Jay Ivey. Chet fits that to a T. Chet, Chet fits then, what we currently think of Sam Presti right. to a T. But then but he also took, Ivey fits, he also took Trey Mann last draft. Yeah, right. It's it's so like maybe you do go after an Ivy. I ooh, it's very fascinating. I can't wait. And I think when, it'll be this draft will probably give us a lot of answers into into Presti his thought process. We think and that how he's built this outlook. draft might also make us just say what the hell. <laughs> Yeah, when that Shaden Sharp pick uh, comes in, it's going to hurt. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> God, don't yeah. even joke about that, bro. I know. Something I did wanted to bring up with, we were talking about Ivy kind of fitting that that role. If OKC were to trade up, and it, but they couldn't get up to four and draft Ivy, is I was thinking Ben Matherin might be a guy that falls in that same kind of architect of player. You guys agree? Hyper-athletic. Yeah. I think the difference is Matherin can kind of shoot the piss out of the ball. Yep. Jaden struggled a little bit. He he started to come on sophomore year, uh, freshman year. He did not shoot the ball well at all. Um, I don't know. M- Matherin, you infuse some of that athleticism, that off-ball cutting, that ability to play above the rim, that ability to come off a pin down and catch and just rise up. Matherin jumps like crazy high in his jump shots. You add that to Shea and Josh, and I think you got something kind of fun there. And I, I do think it kind of fits that mold, Silva. Well, Nick just I, found out that Johnny Davis was in the Taco Bell commercial that it's, that's going yeah, on. If you guys uh, noticed, I was like right watching now, the so. TV over here. I, I had never seen that commercial. I was like, is that it Johnny is the Davis? Most random, like of all the players in the draft, they go mm-hmm. get Johnny Davis. But uh, um, my my take on this, I I do think Jaden Ivey is like a super Sam Presti pick. Um, however. I feel like there's that type of, and we've talked about this, Oladipo, Beal, John Moran. Like we've talked, there's, there's, there's that type of Scoot Henderson next year. That's a guard heavy draft. There, and, there's those types of guys every gosh, I year. I don't, I don't know if he can pass up the unicorn upside of Chet because there that's ain't, good. That's there good ain't, point. there ain't Chets in every draft. Hey. Right? There ain't Chets at once a decade. Well, and another Two. piece of context to add to this, Nick. He was in the top four and took Russell Westbrook. He was in the top four. He took James Harden. Again, kind of in that same, you could throw Ivy in that same bag. It's that same mode of player. But on the contrary, we know that he wanted Porzingis uh, the year before Porzingis was drafted. Yes. He ultimately withdrew from the draft and decided to play one more year We know he was doing everything (laughs) he could to get Evan Mobley last year. True. You know, and... (laughs) Taylor, the Porzingis thing is interesting. They wanted Porzingis to come out a year early and take him in the 20s versus Porzingis went back. And then whenever he came back to the NBA draft the next season, went top 10, right? Um, I think a lot of the reason we got Book Knight smoke last year was because two years ago, they tried to convince Book Knight to stay in the draft so they could take him. Book Knight didn't, went back to school, came back, and then went a little bit higher. Now let's talk about Caleb Houston, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. could there could there be a yeah. same thing here for Jaden Ivey? With maybe this, freshman yeah. year, last year, twenty twenty one, 
they really liked Jaden Ivey and wanted him to come out so they could take him at 18. Jaden went back to school. Now he jumps, and maybe that's where some of that smoke is coming from. I wish we had somebody on the inside that we could just <laughs> ask, like, were you guys looking at Jaden last year? Last year. What did you guys think about Jaden last year? I would not be surprised at all if they wanted Jaden to stay in the draft last year. They would have taken Jaden with the Trey Man pick. Oh, like, I sure. feel very confident about sure. that. Yeah, right? Sure. So maybe they were interested in Jaden last year. Jaden decided, no, I'm going to go back. I'm going to raise my stock. And then now this is where that, oh, the Thunder like Jaden Ivey. Hell yeah, like every team in the in the league likes Jaden Ivey. Yep. Right? But maybe the Thunder liked him a lot last year. Same with Ben Matherin. At 18, but now they don't oh, like him man. as much at two. You know? Matherin's another good point, Nick. It's fascinating. I don't know. Some interesting stuff. Uh, Silva, you want to, we got some Twitter questions today. You want to read us off some Twitter questions before we get out of here? Of course. We also have some questions in the chat as well. So Yes. I'll just kind of go I'll alternate. I'll do Twitter first and I'll hop in the chat. Question number one via at LJ Season from Twitter. Paolo Bancaro hasn't been linked with OKC throughout this draft process. Could he be the one the Thunder are eyeing? And how would you feel about him at number two? He doesn't like Oklahoma City. He said it in an interview. <laughs> he was born in Seattle. Paolo is the best passer in this draft. Uh, he's also 6'10", 250. Ooh, he's a big... Best passer boy. in the draft? I, I You'd put I him over Dyson? Like, yes. Interesting, okay. Like, I kind of would too. Like, <laughs> he is 6'10", he's 250. He's an elite playmaker. It, it, even, even, if, even if you argue with me and said, oh, I think Dyson's better. Okay. He's the second best passer in the draft at 6'10", <laughs> 250. Like, that is absurd. He can create his own shot. Like, he is offensively someone you don't see very often. The yeah. defense is obviously what's the concern. We've talked about this a hundred times. Um, He's got I would, the tools. I would not be shocked if he was taken by the Thunder. He is the number one alpha dog. If if Sam opts to say, I'm going to get the number one guy while I can at two, and then I try to get that you know high upside role player that does all the things to win, next year or the year after or through trade, whatever it might be, wouldn't shock me. I, I still think Chet is like the guy at number two, but people don't talk about Paulo in Oklahoma city, but he would be freaking insane. Yeah. The, the fit would dog. be perfect. Uh, I think to answer that part of the question, I agree with you completely. Like I'd be ecstatic if they took Paulo at two. I just, I don't, it, I don't know. Yeah. I do find it weird. We haven't heard any smoke regarding Paulo and OKC. You think all three of those guys have been to OKC and worked out? I mean, they will be. They will. They by by the by draft. There's no way Sam doesn't work out the top five, six, seven guys. I think Just Sam's as a probably getting to work out like sixty guys in this draft. Oh, yeah. for sure, for sure. I, I question I like if he got in the top mentioned. three last year because he didn't have a top three pick. I mean, yeah. Cade came out and said he was only working out for Detroit. Yeah. Right. I don't know if he got Evan Mobley in the building last year. I don't know if he got Jalen Green in the building last year. But this year with pick number two, 12, 30, 34, you can literally get everybody in. Cool. Uh, let's move to the next Twitter question via at Anderson ID. With us potentially adding four players in this year's draft, what should we expect to happen with Isaiah Roby? He seems like a really awesome frontcourt player to run with SGA and Giddy with his shooting and play finishing abilities. 
I'll I'll lead us off on this one. Maybe Roby is still on this team next year. I think he's a good candidate for the guy to like be moved to be cut uh, for the roster crunch. I think a lot of people watched Isaiah Roby the past two years in like the second half of the season and saw a lot of stuff. Oh, he can't shoot. Oh, he he can dunk. He can do a handful of things. And I think that's like the context in which we were watching him. I think whenever you get pick two and 12, and even like if they take pick 30 in here, I think your opinion, like Thunder fandom's opinion on Isaiah Roby is going to change rather quickly. I agree. Totally. I also think back to the beginning of the season where everybody was healthy. Thunder had a full team and Roby wasn't getting playing time from coach Mark Dayton. Um, I think that says a lot as well. Yeah. Like I, I don't think Roby's like an awful player. But I think with the context of what they had on this team, it was like, oh, he can do some stuff. But when you bring in better talent like they are, I think a lot of fans' opinions are going to shift very quickly. Yeah. I he's I I don't think he is in the rotation. If he went in the rotation last year, he's not gonna be in the rotation this year. Yeah. I question if he's on the team opening night. Fair. Me too. I don't know how he rises above uh a lot of the young guys are gonna bring in. Let's go to the last Twitter question via at Evo underscore cloud. Do you think there is enough of a difference between the 12th pick in this draft or the seventh or eighth pick to justify using Lou Dort as a trade up piece? I'll, I'll give one comment on this um, indirectly answering the question. I think the, if there's a team that's willing to move back and take on Dort and pay him as much as he's like, Shay's buddy and does a lot of things that translate to the playoffs with the 2023 CBA and, and all that stuff. I think that there's hidden value in giving him up. If you love a guy at seven or eight to where not only are you moving up, but you're avoiding shelling out cash. Yeah. It's this interesting balance of, do we want to move up and get a guy we love uh, and take care of some financials? that is going to make us even more flexible in 2023? Or do we want to stay put and take a guy at 12 and then wait the year to to make the decision on Dort, right? It's like you have to love the guy at 6, 7, 8 more than you love a guy at 12 plus Lou. Right, and that's and, a lot. And that's, that's, I think that's a, a pretty high hill to climb. I agree. It'd have to be somebody big. I mean, again, the situation would be that somebody the Thunder value very highly um, on their big board falls to that 6-7 range, and they decide to go ahead and pull the trigger. I just don't know if there's really any guys in that. I mean, I love that range of the Dyson Daniels, Ben Matherins, but I'm not sure, to your all's point, it's worth 12 and Dort, um, unless it you know financials come to play, like Nick just mentioned. I think that's yep. a really good point as well. Like, is What has more value, Dyson Daniels? on a rookie scale deal, uh, which would be quite a bit of money at pick six or seven or Lou Dorton, Johnny Davis or Lou Dorton, Joe Griffin or Lou Dorton, Usman Jang. Right? It almost it's, feels like a situation you have to work out on draft night. Like is this, if you're talking, if Davis is the one slipping, if Griffin's the one slipping, I kind of like that scenario more. Yeah, yeah that's and right. Like, you just let those players it. fall to you. Good point. What if, what if Shaden Sharp's there at, on the clock at seven on that Portland pick? I've really fallen on Shaden. You you got to take him. 
You got to take him. That's and the ultimate banger bust pick. I think a lot of people, a lot of people have fallen on Shaden because the national media has fallen on fallen Shaden. On Shaden. Yeah. But I almost, but like, there's, there's nothing he's done that should make him fall. The people that were, you could also were, argue there's nothing he's done that should make him rise. No, right? no, 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 no. But, but my point is, when he officially declared or officially was part of this draft class, immediately national people were like, oh. Maybe the best player in this class. Maybe he goes four. And there's been nothing outside of hype being decreased that makes him fall. Like he, he nothing. So if if everybody in the national media was so high on him when he declared, why are they not high on him now? Because there's been no change. Before we get out of here, because the the four of us are this is the uncontested summer league squad this year. All four of us are going to be out at Summer League. So let's end with the Shaden Sharp topic then. I want to ask each of you as we get out of here. We fly out to Vegas on July 6th. Summer League starts on the 7th. We're in the Thomas and Mac. We're hanging out. We're super excited. Uh, the the 6 p.m. tip-off is whichever team took Shaden Sharp. What will surprise you more? Shaden comes out and just goes freaking berserk. And this dude is dropping like crossover, step back, hardness threes, throwing down windmills. And we're all just sitting there with our jaws collectively on the floor <laughs> saying, holy shit. Or he comes out and we watch him play and we're like, oh my God, this guy sucks. Which is more surprising Ooh. to you? I think it's more surprising if he's balling out because... He hasn't played in a long time. No, that's, and, that, and that's not that's not to say he ends up being a bad player. Yep. Summer League last year, Justin and I were sitting front row for that. Evan Mobley looked lost. He was skinny. He was getting bumped around by these like second and third year guys that were G Leaguers trying to make a roster spot. And Summer League means nothing. But for a guy that hasn't played in so long and doesn't have the experience of playing against even mediocre college guys, I would expect him. Like he's going to have highlight plays, no doubt. He's going to have a huge dunk or something. But holistically, I, I don't expect him to look spectacular at summer league. I agree. It's too long off. I I think a good comp, it, kind of from a player perspective, but really just like in terms of the the learning curve. I think that Sharp's going to face in the league. Uh, I think we should be looking at like a Jalen Green who really struggled early last season with Houston, and by the end of the season, we're like, okay. Um, Maybe we shouldn't have said like maybe he's a we should have been a fourth, fifth, sixth overall pick. He kind of looks the part of a number two, number three overall pick. Um, I think Shaden Sharp will face a similar learning curve and it's kind of similar talent wise as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I agree. I think he'll come out maybe look a little slow to begin, and then by the end of the season, he's probably putting it together and looking pretty special. Maybe maybe he does look like Jalen Green. Maybe he looks like Gerald Green. But maybe <laughs> who knows? Maybe he's right. Jeff Green. <laughs> <laughs> guys i think that's all we got for today this is a, a really fun pod thanks to everyone for jumping on uh mid-afternoon with us really appreciate it we hope you guys enjoy game two of the nba finals tonight we'll be back with you specifically taylor will be back with you monday night tomorrow um for a twitter space so make sure you follow us on twitter.com at the underscore uncontested join the twitter space hang out chat ask some questions uh, just join all of Thunder Twitter uh, on the spaces. We've been having huge success on those. So make sure to join us there. 
And then we got another pod for you guys Wednesday night right here on YouTube. So join us there as well. We are down into the teens as far as days left until the NBA draft. It's going to be a blast. We cannot wait. You guys have a great start to your week, and we will talk to you soon. Until then, and as always, thunder up. Thank you.